What's happening, everybody? Welcome into a brand new episode of Crossed Up. A beautiful Monday morning. Phillies are losing some players to the World Baseball Classic this week. We will talk about that in a little bit. But listen, we come into this episode, it's early. We don't have any new updates on Andrew Painter yet. This has been like the Andrew Painter podcast over the last couple of weeks. Obviously, he has been the primary topic. It is the primary storyline of this Philly spring training. And certainly, if you're covering this team, this is what you're dialed in on. We get a glimpse of the guy last Wednesday. We say 19 years old. Look at the composure. Man, you see the upside 99 on the gun, averaging 96.8 with the fastball. 29 pitches. Everybody's to the moon. Phillies really have something here. And then we find out Thursday he comes in. Little elbow problem, little tenderness is the word. And we still don't know. Anthony, I want you to purely and uh, recklessly speculate here. What the hell is going on with Andrew Painter? How do you not know at this point? Like, that's my my biggest thing. Like, they have to know. Is this this a second opinion thing? Is this like a we know and we want to make sure before we really come out and say it? I mean, it could be a combination of things, right? I mean, maybe they go for the first test and it's not clear. Maybe they're swelling and they need to wait for the swelling to go down. And they got to like, that's when it'll really show. You got to wait for that kind of stuff to happen. So like things like that can certainly happen. Um, I'd be stunned if there's still not an update today. Like if there's still not an update today, (laughs) then it's like, okay, like what the hell's going on? Right. I mean, you, you, you know, then I start to get really concerned that it's something more than what, what they're, you know, oh, just a little tenderness. I hope we can play this back on Friday or revisit this conversation on Friday and say, wow, uh, our skepticism was so ill-founded here. But I have a hard time looking at the way this has progressed over the weekend and the silence uh, that has followed. And I, I have a hard time not thinking like, uh-oh, like there's something here. And I'm not saying it's it's TJ. I'm not saying it's Tommy John. I'm not saying CN24. But there's just, I feel like it's reasonable to expect that there might be a delay here. Yeah. Yeah, I do too. I think that that's an, an automatic. I think that there's, I, I wasn't convinced he was making the, the opening day roster to begin with. And we've talked about that last episode, last couple episodes really. Um, I really don't think it now. I mean, well, I think I mean, if kid gloves now, big time now, right? He's not the opening day roster. What the hell are we going to talk about for the next three weeks? <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> so, I mean, look, hold hold your breath, cross your fingers, do whatever it is you do. Uh, hopefully he's okay, and hopefully this is just a, a minor uh, you know, setback or hiccup here. It's interesting, though, if you go back and you start to try to, uh, you know, Go through his start, that one appearance, 29 pitches. The velocity was there, seemingly no issues. I do want to ask you one thing, and I don't know, is this reading maybe perhaps a little too deep into it, but we thought that everything was heavy fastball because of you know, gaining comfort and wanting to command and, and work on on part one, right? Like you have to lay the foundation and then build off of that. And here's a 19-year-old getting into a major league game, all eyes on him. Let's go with what works. And I, I think that is what happened, right? But somebody that, that puts the tinfoil hat on might say, like, man, like, he didn't really feature anything breaking at all. Like, you know, yeah. one curveball, three sliders, I don't know. 
It's a it's a it's a really intelligent speculation. Like maybe but maybe they would he, not have put him. I mean, they no 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 no. But maybe what the deal is, maybe he was feeling the soreness going into that day, or maybe in his bullpen he felt something bothering him when he threw a threw the curveball or threw his breaking stuff, and maybe he said, "Yeah, I'm just gonna." I'm just going to go predominantly fastball here to try and get through it because maybe it's not like severe pain or something. It's just something kind of a little naggy yeah. and knowing he's only going to go to the two innings and I, I will go 85, 90% fastballs and get through the day. Maybe that's it. And as you know, 19 year old kid, you got all this spotlight on you. You don't want to, you don't want to say anything. And, and that happens. I agree. Right? And, and I don't, I, I am, this is all speculation. Like, please, like we have to put that disclaimer on there. Yeah. But I will tell you, and I, I very rarely do the whole, like, I coached high school baseball for 12 years and I know teenagers, but like, here's the deal. We talk about the maturity and how he's, he seems like he's just so far beyond his, his age. And, and he is right. Like, and I think that two things in this situation can be true. But he's still a 19-year-old kid, and he's still getting the ball in a, a really big-time spot for him to kind of show what he is and and to meet the hype. And, like, you're 19, maybe you do feel a little tweak. Maybe you do feel a little tender, and you say, the hell with it. I'm going to go out there and do this anyway because I'm all right. I'm 19. And, like, I can tell you that 17- and 18-year-olds that I've coached have had issues, have had nagging things, and they've tried to pitch through it. You know, or they've tried to play through it. And then, unfortunately, in a couple of those situations, I've seen those, those you know, kids try to push through, and then they get themselves jammed up. Like, I've, I've lost players to Tommy John surgery. My best, my best pitcher four years ago, second year I had the job, you know, did this exact same thing. He threw a bullpen, didn't tell anybody. He pushed through it. Boom. You know? Mm-hmm. So, I don't know. Um, but I do think it's, it's kind of just, a, it's an interesting conversation point for sure. And it's, this is no good. I mean, we talk about how can the Phillies beat the projections? How can the Phillies maybe close the gap on a team like the Braves or the Mets? And we all understand that, that, you know, Andrew Painter probably wasn't going to pitch to an all-star level this year, probably wasn't going to pitch to a Cy Young level this year, but having a, a kid with significant upside in the back of that rotation, whether it be on opening day or come mid-June, is a difference maker for this team. And you just hope right now that they're not going to lose that difference maker because we can talk about the insurance policy that's Bailey Falter all we want. It's a hell of a good one, by the way, mind you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Phillies are, are probably better equipped to lose a back end of the rotation guy right now than any team. But this is a big deal. Well, it can, it can be a really big deal. If if what we're saying and and what we're thinking, um, again putting puzzle pieces together because we don't really know. And I again, like who yeah. I who we're wrong. Yeah, it, it, it's you know it could be a very very big deal, um, because this was the plan coming into the season, right? Like I mean, you know they didn't pursue another free agent starter, or they didn't try and trade for another free agent starter because they believe the combination of painter falter and then if need be if you go to like spots uh seven and eight in the in the depth chart Sanchez, plasmeyer those kind of guys they kind of felt that that was a good enough combination to get the starts that they needed um on the back end of the rotation and then if you take the the best 
guy of that four and say, oh, he's not going to pitch now because of an injury, while you still have the depth, and that's a good thing, now all of a sudden you start saying, well, what happens now if one other guy gets hurt? Like yeah. the, in the top four, right? Now all of a sudden the back end of the rotation isn't looking as exciting. It's just as hard. Well. It's hard as a team to to say, hey, like we're gonna we're gonna double down on our insurance policies on the back end. Like I don't fault the Phillies. No, 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 not at all. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I understand. Like you said, it is a big deal. It would change the math. It would change the dynamics in the back of this rotation. Yeah. Uh, but I can't, you know, in hindsight look at it and say, oh, they really should have gone for another veteran. You know. No, no, no. No, but the, the, the reason they didn't go for yeah. another veteran is because they had this, right? And this was the plan coming in. So, uh, yeah. So, I mean, look, it would, you never want to see anybody get hurt. But of the four guys that are like five, six, seven, eight in the rotation, the one you really didn't want to see get hurt is, is Andrew Painter. So, um, you know, I will say just to kind of put a bow on this because we're still in speculation mode. If, God forbid, it is the worst case scenario. You're still talking about a big, strong kid who would then be pushed back a year, and he'd be all of 20. Now, obviously, you would have to work him back slowly. You'd probably be cautious. It wouldn't be just like take it off and let it rip in, in the spring of 24, but this isn't like a thing to me that derails his career ultimately, uh, but it it's, it's interesting, and mm-hmm. if you're a fan that is sort of programmed to skew negative or skewed towards panic mode it's understandable this morning and we should get clarification hopefully by the time you're listening to this because our, our podcasts tend to come out around 11 a.m or so hopefully by the time you're listening to this you're like these two clowns just spent 10 minutes talking about something that's not that big of a deal he's gonna <laughs> he's gonna skip his next start and the phillies feel like he'll be out there ready to go come you know march 20th great hopefully that's the case um so there are some good things, I think, to to talk about. And I know uh, I, we can maybe touch on the Zach Wheeler thing yesterday. I know things didn't go great against the Blue Jays. Uh, I'm not particularly concerned by that, but we can maybe get to that in a little bit. I look at this, and um, I think as you're heading down to spring training, so for those of you that don't know, Anthony will be taking the lead on our Phillies coverage this year, and I'll kind of be working in a supplemental role. But he's going down to uh, Clearwater to uh, – Cover spring training for what? What the next ten days or so? Yep, absolutely. So you're going to get down there on Tuesday, and uh, I I have one task for you, and that's to get us some good guests. So make sure <laughs> do, do what I could not do, Anthony. <laughs> I got you, got you covered. Uh, do what I couldn't, but you know, as you're heading down there, we know that the World Baseball Classic starting up, and I do want to talk a little bit about that in, in in a little bit as well. But I think that there's a lot of good things going on here right now with this team, and. You know, again, I've said it, and I, I kind of sound uh, very repetitive in this with this take, but I feel like you can't really look at the numbers and overreact to what you're seeing, especially with veteran players this early on in camp. That being said, I really like the fact that the Phillies seem to have a dynamic and just a, a, like a potentially lethal one-two combination at the top of the order. Like Again, we've seen now consistently like what Trey Turner can do. And even if Trey Turner was hitless to this point in spring, I'd still know, I'd say, hey, you know what he can do. But now you're starting to see like Schwerber get it going a little bit. He squared up a ball on Saturday. He finally you know, elevates the ball, as Rob Thompson said after the game yesterday, his first homer of the spring. And you're like, damn, like you can dream on that one-two combination up at the top of the order a little bit. Uh, yeah, um, and and I think that that's what the plan's going to be at least until Harper gets back. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's a little Harper news too. We we kind of found out when he's going to arrive. 
Um, so, so yeah, I mean, th that's, that's going to be the plan. And, and y y you know what? It's pretty good. You know, those guys are going to get on base. I, you just know they are. You, you saw Schwarber hit, you know, 40, what was it? 46, 47 home runs. I what they have last year. Um, so, uh, so if Turner's getting on base, like he can and stealing bases, like he can, and then you got Schwarber right behind him, who now suddenly is going to have a, a you know a hole to hit through on the right side, but then also can you know hit one of those big bombs, and all of a sudden they go, oh, you could have a two nothing game. And I guarantee you we're going to have a lot of two nothing Phillies leads in the first inning uh, as the season. We look back at the end of the year and be like, man, they have like fifteen two nothing leads in the first inning because of because of Turner and Schwarber being able to either you know uh, do it themselves by you know getting. Uh, uh, a hit, a steal, a double, and then a, you know somebody else drives in Schwarber, where Schwarber just puts it out of the park himself, or you know Turner hits a home, whatever, right? I, I think that I think it's it's really going to be something special to watch, and then it gets even more exciting once Harper comes back because that then what? Right? And how does that lineup look? Do they touch it? Like like let's just say that's a great. And to me, this is the the, the big question of all questions. Let's say Turn and Schwarber are having a monster first half, right? Like combined, doing that one-two, it really just—it looks awesome. And then Bryce is ready to come back. Do you touch it? Do you leave it alone? Do you bat Harper four instead of three? Like, how does that all come together? Like, I, like I really think it's kind of an interesting thing because I do believe that Turner Schwarber is going to be an excellent, excellent top of the lineup. You know that bet that you can make? I mean, maybe you don't, but there's the no runs in the first inning bet. People love yeah. it because yeah. it's a quick, you know, quick outcome. It kind of lets you know where you're at. You're 20 minutes and did I win or did I lose? It's a really popular prop bet. Sports books. I would not be betting on no runs in the first inning with the Phillies involved very much this season. That's, that's right. Damn sure. That's right. Um, Listen, what I, I was... I'm kind of set it up like i stated the obvious there and i go like, yeah right one two awesome exciting right Th then the question though becomes what happens after that and this is where things kind of get a little bit interesting so reese hoskins made his spring debut on friday he's played two games he's three for five three singles seemingly looks pretty good i mean we haven't seen him drive the ball yet but there's just no sample size at all to be even remotely concerned by that uh so he's been on base uh, three out of five times. Great. Uh, Nick Cassianos, veteran player. Don't put too much stock in spring training stats. He's two for 13 this season, or this uh, spring training with, with five strikeouts. I, I guess like we're having maybe two separate conversations at once because I'm all over the place and this is what I do. <laughs> like, I guess like let's attack this first. Do you go Hoskins, Castellanos, or Real Mutos? You got off to a very good start this spring. Uh, in that three spot to really maximize what happens up top, or what are we feeling about this right now? So it, he went with Hoskins uh, Saturday. Was it Saturday or yesterday? Um, he went with Hoskins three. I wouldn't. I would go Real Muto um, just because without Harper, to me, you want your three best hitters going one, two, three, and, and then let let the guy look. You, you expect Hoskins to hit some home runs. Let him back clean up. Castellanos should probably be a little further down until he shows he can be the Nick Castellanos you expected him to be. Right. So 
I don't mind having him in, you know, in, in the five spot or even six if, if need if you need to. If you're going to go with like Derek Hall, you know, uh, as your DH um, in the middle of a lineup, right? Maybe you go Hall five, get another lefty in there to split it up. Um, but yeah, and then Cassiano six. But no, I I would much rather JT be the next guy. I agree. Uh, yeah. I I fully agree with you. Um, I don't know how to feel about Nick Cassianos. I know that we've talked a lot about him. It's it's hard not to talk a lot about him. It's it's also hard not to overreact to like what you're seeing with him a little bit, just because so much rides on his ability to bounce back. And and we've talked about the importance of him really stabilizing. It the middle of this order with Bryce Harper out, especially I am concerned by the strikeouts. Like that's the thing that gets me. Like, I don't care that he's hitting 154, you know, one home run. Who cares? Right. I just right. Get concerned. Like, is there going to be this swing and miss again? Like to the degree that we saw it last year. And he just threw away so many at bats because he, he, Got himself out. I mean, I know that that's that's an oversimplification to a degree, but there were just so many times where you knew that as soon as he got in the box, it was over. And I'm just concerned that we're trending towards that again. It's a valid concern. Um, I, I wouldn't put a, put too much stock into it just yet. Uh, again, you don't you don't know what their plan is when they go when they go up to bat right you know what it is and I, i've said that and i guess like I, i'm such a hypocrite i'm such a hypocrite for this but i also feel like if there's a like yeah maybe it's like staying back or like looking to drive a certain pitch in a certain location but i feel like for this player and you've made this point it's important for him to get up to a fast start this season yeah i mean you know what like the goal for nick castiano should be it should be to get a hit every time you come to the plate like yeah. put up the numbers pr- prove to yourself that you can still do it and mash like that should be his goal so, so again, I think he's going to get a lot of time in spring. Again, with all these guys, especially going to um, to the World Baseball Classic. So, I think that th- that maybe he knows he's going to have a few extra at bats than he usually has. So, maybe this is the tinker time, right? This is the time, you know, the first couple weeks of of spring training, or you know, we're going to try and you know, I'm going to go up there with trying to do specific things and not worry about the outcomes. Um, and then as the spring progresses. It's more about, okay, now let's focus on just, you know, taking these at-bats like it would be for a regular season game. And if that's the case, and then, then, you know, in the second half of the spring, those strikeouts start shutting, uh, cutting down in half or whatever, then you sit there and go, okay, fine. Then that's probably what it was, no big deal. Um, but if this is still happening later in March, then, uh, then I'll join you on the concern bandwagon. I'll be like right there with you. You're right. And I hear you. And I'm not, I don't even know if I'm concerned. I, I don't know what I am. I'm just like, I'm paying attention. Yeah. I, like, yeah, I'm yeah. paying attention and I'm not enthusiastic, I guess, about what I've seen thus far. Maybe that's the best way to say it. I don't want to uh, be disingenuous and, and like go full outrage here, full like panic. And I also don't want to say it doesn't matter. Like, I think that it's, it's just worth, Again, like kind of keeping on the radar. Um, I I will tell you this. There was one other player I was very concerned about. And we talked, I would say maybe the first or second show that we did when we came back. And it was about Jose Alvarado. And I think that you and I both and, and everyone was just so impressed with what Jose Alvarado was able to do. You know, we talked on this show last year about, hey, it's time to move on. How much more of this can we do? 
how do you continue to put this guy in high leverage situations and watch him melt down? Like this stuff is great. That's wonderful. But he can't locate it and he doesn't have it up here to put it together on a consistent basis. And then he comes back and he pitches lights out for three plus months, helps the Phillies get to the World Series, runs out of gas late. Okay. My concern was, could he come back and do it again? Can he do it again? And to what degree do any of those late postseason World Series stumbles maybe derail the confidence that he and the momentum that he gained with that bounce back last season? And I can say this, it's only been three appearances, but three innings, no base runners, four strikeouts, and Anthony, no walks. That's a damn good start. It really is. And and it's the, the no walks thing is really... It. It, it, that's the thing that really is impressive for me. And and the thing of it is, you said, well, again, spring training. I was facing a bunch of minor league guys. No, because what they're doing is they're getting Alvarado in early in games, right? So that he's facing the better hitters. He's not going up, going in there and automatically getting, you know, some double A guy from, you know, or single A guy from the other team who's just traveling uh, uh, into the spring training game. Um, so he's actually facing major league hitters and not walking them. And not only is he not, he's not getting giving up hits. I mean, he's just ahead of the game. Um, and maybe that's why you know maybe the Phillies saw something this winter or knew something about him this winter. Maybe it was wherever he was uh, working out or, or or getting in some 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 work, and he looked at it and said, you know what, this is why we got to lock this guy up now because if we let this go into the season and and he's still a you know here on that on a one year thing, if man, we we could lose him because this is. This is a guy who's figured it out and got it right, and and they get and they did, and then you know and, and look, still a lot of the time they go. I look now we have to qualify everything. I know. Actually, right? I think we need to. If you're watching on YouTube, I think at the beginning of the show we just need to put like a little scroll across, like a disclaimer. You know, you know what the end it is. You know that he's made three appearances. We know it's yeah. brain training. We know, but we have to do it through twice a week, and we have to talk about these things. Yeah. No. Absolutely. But. uh yeah, there are that's that, that is, and you found one, Bob. There are things that you can do in spring training and look at in spring training and be impressed or be concerned one way or the other. Yeah, and and the the uh, the fact that he has been pretty flawless and not walked anyone in March, early early March is. Is something to be like that's a that's a really really good. That's thing. what I want to see. It's the only thing I care about with Jose Alvarado this spring, and you know maintaining velocity. Like right. if the velocity's there, and I see that he's throwing strikes. I don't care about the results after that. I truly don't. Yeah, yeah. No, it's it's great. It's it's just you know it's three perfect innings. You know it's you can't ask for anything more than that so far. Uh, he's not the only one. I mean, you you want to talk? Uh, there there's. I mean, if you look else, who else in the bullpen has gotten off the. Same exact star as Connor Brockton. Yeah. Three star, three appearances, no hits, no walks. Are we about to hit? Four your, is this year four of the Connor Brockton breakout year? Part four? Well, I mean, it's, I don't even know you. I know that you, you're not as, as high on Brockton as I I was like Mr. Connor Brockton. And then, yeah, but then you kind of got, yeah, but then you kind of jumped off the bandwagon for a little bit. I get it. It's all right. I mean, his confidence was shot. He was, he, he was a guy that was going out to the mound and he, he, yeah frankly, did not look like he even wanted to be there. And, like, that's yep. maybe unfair to say, but I know that there was definitely a confidence thing, you know, whether it was a confidence thing or, like, a an energy thing or a self-belief thing, like, however you want to phrase it. 
Yeah. He was a guy that I don't think truly trusted his stuff at, at, at different points over the last couple of years. No, I know. And I think that I don't think you're wrong. And especially last year, he was he was cruising like he was having a great season. And then he just hit the wall and, and confidence wise, not not physically. I mean, he just they and they had to like they had to slow down his usage. They had to give him a break. And he didn't have any confidence. And we were going into the playoffs. We were like, I don't know, can you trust Connor Brogdon? Can you trust him? And then all of a sudden, he got a couple of good outings, and they were more low leverage in the playoffs. The games that the Phillies were, you know, up up uh, comfortably, but they still brought him in, and he was able to get through a couple of innings in those playoffs. And then by the World Series, like he was one of the better relievers in the World Series. Um, and so it was like he got he was able to kind of re refine it again. But you're not wrong. There was a time in the season where he just was lost and, and it was a, it was more in, in his head than it was with his, with his stuff. I mean, his stuff's still there. Um, and maybe getting an opportunity to pitch in a world series against a really good Houston lineup and pitch. Well, maybe that's the confidence kind of that he needs to come into the season. And Hey, he's off to that an identical start to Alvarado in camp. So yeah, when, uh, you guy, when you have a guy that doesn't have the stuff or doesn't have the ceiling, you know, you can be the most confident guy in the world, and can you make it work for you at points? Like, does the poise and the confidence and self-belief make you an effective pitcher at times? Like, it can. Like, I'm sure that you can really zone in and 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 get the job done on occasion. But, like, the, the thing with Brogdon is, like, trusting yourself could be the difference between a mediocre to below average pitcher and a guy who's a really viable option in, in important spots like it's there we all understand that he has the physical ability to do it so what you're talking about having that success in a big spot against a good opponent that could be a difference maker like if I go out and I'm, I'm, a, I'm a fifth starter and I happen to have a, a good start against the Houston Astros at their peak like great I'm confident now but like over time I still am what I am but when you have that ability and then something triggers that that confidence it really, I do think, I really do think it can make a difference. Yeah, I know. I, I that, and that's and that's a thing, right? And so, like, like you know, Alvarado. I mean, he's the. I think he was the perfect example last year. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, you're right. I mean, right. I mean, I mean, his he did have some mechanical things, and 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 approach was part of the problem. I mean, the way he the the way he was pitching was not working, and they had to change some things around. But he was a guy who once he got confident. Right, and then and then then you remember. I mean, like everything became strike one, strike two, good luck. Right. I mean, that's that was the thing. Like you know, that's confidence right there. You start having that, and you and those things are are coming out, and you believe it. Right. You believe that you're that dominant, you're that good. Um. So it it changed his season last year. I maybe something like that happens for for Brogdon on a much less noticeable scale as far as you know being a guy that you're that was being relied on like Alvarado was. But maybe that was something that took place at the you know in October and November that was like okay, this is going to be good for him going forward, and then it would only benefit the Phillies even more because that bullpen is looking pretty good to begin with. And I and I think that you know you you just add another guy back there that you have that much confidence in, man, that's that's some good stuff. So I have two other things I want to talk about that are Philly specific, and then yeah. I do watch a little bit on the World Baseball Classic before that gets underway. I think officially tomorrow on Tuesday, I think is the first game. Yep. Um, uh, so let's stick with the pitching. So we're not just jumping back and forth, back and forth. And I'll try to frame my last question or topic in a different way, uh, you know, because we love segments on this show. Um, 
I guess, do we need to talk about Zach Wheeler? Like, I, I actually, I look at this, and let me just provide some context here. He goes out, one of the third innings, he gets four outs yesterday against the Blue Jays. Um, of the ten balls that were put in play, and I believe this is Paul Casella who tweeted this out uh, from MLB.com, of the ten balls that were put in play, seven of them uh, had an exit velocity of over 95 miles per hour, which means that, like, yeah, the results were one thing, but he wasn't getting dinked and bumped all over the yard. Like, the Blue Jays were squaring it up. Uh, after the game, Zach Wheeler said, listen, I was a little bit uncomfortable with the pitch clock. I'm adjusting to that. It was the first time that I had thrown to John Hicks. So those were the, you know, the two, I don't want to say excuses, but that was how he reasoned it. Um, fastball velocity was like in the mid, a little over 95. It wasn't terribly down. It's pretty much, it's nothing that would raise a red flag from a from a velocity standpoint. I look at this and I kind of say like, we do a Phillies podcast. We should probably mention it. Uh, I, I, for one, am not particularly concerned about it. No, I'm not concerned about it either. And then, I mean, you listen to him talk afterwards and he said, well, I had a great bullpen beforehand. Like I really felt good right. in the bullpen. I thought it was one of the better bullpens of the season. And you go out there and Hey, look, it's a spring game. Like he, he blows it off. Like it's like, right. yeah, no, no big deal. And, and when you have the gravitas and, and, and the track record that he has, when he's that nonplussed by it, then I, I buy it. Like I'm not, you know, I, I you you could you could look at somebody's face sometimes after a yeah. bad outing, and if they try to shrug it off as like, hey, it's just one of those days, and you look and you go, yeah, no, I, I don't believe that, as, you know, <laughs> in a little bit. I, I totally agree with you. I don't even think that there's like a, there's a, not even a point of speculation here that oh yeah. my god, what's wrong? Uh, I do know though, and I understand how fans consume the game, and uh, I'm watching this unfold yesterday, and I said. I'm sure Philly's Twitter is taking this one in stride three days after finding out that Andrew Painter is going for testing on his elbow. So I could see some people going like, what's happening? Should we be concerned? Uh, am I, does, should I be nervous? No, I, I would say not on this one. No, not at all. Uh, let, me, let me frame my, my last point here, uh, or my last talking point to you in a, in a way, I guess, that has a, not a gambling element to it, but we talked about Alec Bohm and the storyline coming in is that he gained strength this offseason. And so far, the early returns have looked pretty good. He's 5 for 14. He's hit a pair of home runs. Um, do we, like, where are, where do you see 2023 aligning for Alec Bohm? Do you believe that this is a situation, and I'll give you a number to work off of in a second. Do you think that this is a situation where the player really found his footing? We're talking about the third overall pick of the draft a few years back. A guy that it maybe just took some time. Now, to go back to what we were talking about on the pitching side of things, found some confidence, really got, got comfortable knowing that he could succeed and, uh, you know, on a winner, no less, in a tough city, no less. Is this a guy that's ready to just take off now? Or did we kind of see what Al Boone was last year? Like, that, that is what to expect moving forward. There's some highs, some lows. He's not a superstar. He's never going to have 30 home runs, but he's a pretty good player. He, well, I mean, I think that there's there's a level that Boom can still get to that you know might meet those expectations we the Phillies had when they drafted him third overall. Like he could maybe still get to that point. He's young enough that he you know could still could still reach those heights. I don't think he gets that far, but I think what you just said is perfectly fine. And if Alec Boom is that that guy that you just described. Good. That's fine. I, I, I'll take it. Thank you very much. That's a nice pick. It's a nice player. It's a good pro. 
uh i'll you know i'm i'm fine with it uh but do i think he can still elevate his game even a little bit more like i that was one of the things i think we talked about on the the first pod uh of the spring it was i want to see more power out of bone i just want to see more it doesn't have to be elite power i just want to be more he's he's you know it's great that you could go the other way and be a singles hitter that you know and and things like that and occasionally you find the gaps for a double that's good and have a 280 batting average okay fine i want to see him go for i want to see a few more home runs doesn't have to be 30 doesn't have to be 35 doesn't have to be that range but if you're if you could go from what do you have 14 last year if you can go from that to 22 uh, it's funny you say 22 because I was just going to give you an over-under. And yeah. the number that I have here in my little show notes is 22 and a half. Yeah, I, I'm good with 22. Okay. I'm good with 22. You give me a, you you give an eight home run improvement this year and, and keep everything else roughly the same, then you have a solid, solid player in your lineup. And he's probably going to bat at the bottom. We know this, and that's okay. But if you have, if you have a 22 home run guy hitting seventh or eighth, think about that. That's a pretty good lineup, right? Any world where you slot him in at three? You need to see it first. Like, yeah. You need to yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, look, real Muto can't catch every day, right? So what are you going to do on the days when Stubbs is catching? You know, maybe you want to you want to extend the, the lineup a little bit, you know, now that you got to put Stubbs in the lineup. Not the, that's not a knock on Garrett Stubbs, but, you know, he is the backup catcher after all. Um, maybe that's a Maybe that's a game where you would move Alec Boehm up. Right and say, okay, we need you into this spot for now, and and J, you know, with no JT, um, but it could be something that you you learn quick. Like if Bone comes out of the gate and he's showing that he could, you know, he could hit you four or five home runs in April, okay, and then all of a sudden it's like, well, guy's got a little bit more, a little bit more pop in his game this year, then you could feel good about putting him up higher in the lineup for sure. Yeah. All right. Well, that's all I have on the Phillies. I, I do have I do have one again. Let's just a little a little updates. Okay. Uh, you know, we we talk about the the battles that are going on in camp, yeah. right? Um, and uh, so far this spring, uh, Dalton Guthrie has not looked good. Uh, he hasn't. He's got fourteen at bats. I think he's got what one hit. You know, he's uh-huh. on Zalecki's latest projection, but it went from like, and I agree with Todd on this, like. It went from likely to fifty-one percent. Yeah, <laughs> you know. Yeah, yeah, and, and I think that that's something to keep an eye on. Uh, also, because uh, Jake Caves had a pretty good camp so far. Uh, he's been one of the Phillies' better hitters, and he's getting a lot of time. Again, when you see guys getting a lot of time, that means that they're they're thinking about that player, right? And so, who leads this team in at bats so far in spring? It's a it's a tie, but it's Alec Bohm, Cody Clemens. Jake Cave uh, and uh, Dalton Guthrie. So uh, we know Bohm's there, but you're looking Clemens, Cave, Guthrie. Guthrie, yeah, that, that's three the, guys for one spot, right? I mean, and that's what I'm saying. Like, I think that that's a that's a thing. I'll throw one more at you, and and you're gonna laugh. But Scott Kelly, he's getting a look. Not a look. He's more versatile, right? Because he can play both infield and outfield. He's had a decent start, 10 at-bats, four hits, right? Decent start to camp. I'm not saying that he's a favorite by any stretch of the imagination. I still think he's behind those guys, but I don't think he's out of the equation for that last bench spot. I was on with uh, Mike Gill on 97.3 Friday afternoon, and he brought up Scott Kingery, and I had the same reaction. Listen, 
I like Scott Kingery. They are paying Scott Kingery. It's a great story. Could you imagine this guy basically just cast off a total afterthought coming back and making a contribution to a, a potential, you know, championship caliber team in the final year? Like, what a crazy ass story that would be. I'm rooting for that. Yeah. I cannot take spring training results with Scott Kingery. Again, like every player is being treated differently here. Like every player is getting a different treatment. I cannot take Scott Kingery's spring training results and use them in any way, shape, or form to give him a job on the opening day roster. Now, if if he goes out and gets off to a good start in April and then continues to show that he's a different player, cool. But short of hitting four. 83 for an entire month down in Clearwater. I just don't see it, man. Like I've been there before. I've been hurt by this. I'm not there. It's early. It's still it's still very early in this in this game. But I'll tell you what. Again, with the World Baseball Classic coming up, he's going to get time. Yeah, they're going to give him game. They're going to give him. They're going to take a look and say, "Here's your chance. You know, you're in this mix." Let's see if you can do it. Like, I will say, you know, to counter my my little rant there, like, just name on paper. Who would you as a fan, or even as the organization, who would you be more excited about? Uh, Jake Cave? No offense to Jake Cave. Uh, Or Scott Kingery. Like, that's better for the organization. It's not a sunk cost. It's, you know, it's a great story. You know that the guy has... Like, there is something in there. I don't know what the hell happened. We can blame Gabe Kapler all we want. But, like, right. there is some player in there rattling around that that once was one of the most dynamic prospects in baseball. You know, maybe. <laughs> but I just, I don't know. Yeah. Just, I just wanted to throw that out. I mean, it's, it's, like it's, ex, it's like your ex coming back around and turning you some packs and you go oh maybe it's maybe it's different and they're still <laughs> see a lot of upside in this course and even though they burn me uh i just think it's i just think it's something we're gonna have to monitor you know towards the end of the episode every every week at least once a scott week rewatch can we make well, that- yeah, it could be, it's not even the scott king rewatch so much as like that i mean i think that that last bench spot is not secure by any stretch of the imagination two segments i think that might need to be put into the show for the remainder of the spring do uh, Nick Castellanos' recent strikeouts matter. <laughs> and Scott King. What's the Scott King rewatch look like? Yeah, that's good. All right, one last thing, Bob. You know, we talked, we've talked. At, oh, well, we didn't even get, you didn't get to the World Baseball Classic. Yeah, dude, I just want to say, like, I in the past have not been like a WBC guy. Like, I don't yeah. get all like geeked out for this. Uh, I'm kind of in, and I'm just in for the, the standpoint of I get to watch Turner and Schwarber, and Real Muto, and I get to watch him on Saturday night on Fox at yeah. 9 p.m. against England. Like, that's pretty cool. Like, yeah. I'm I'm in for at least that night. Like, and then I believe they play 10 o'clock Sunday against Mexico. Yeah. So, like, I'm in. Like, that's pretty cool. I'm in next weekend on the WBC. But more so than anything, I just don't want those three guys or the others that are on other teams to get hurt like yeah. that's the only thing i'm rooting for like nice job way to represent your country i'll get your ass back to florida yeah exactly exactly yeah i, I you know i'm not as that big into it either um but i i think that there is a little bit more interest this year just because of how many phillies are involved right and you, and you just want to see how they perform and team usa you know you always want to hear well they're our, that's our team you know we want to root for team usa 
and their three of their better players are our are our guys, right? So that makes it a little bit more uh, of a rooting interest. So yeah, I think that there's they're, 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 I'll have more eyeballs on it this year than maybe I've had in the past. I think that's for sure. Um, all right, now one last thing. We've talked about the rules ad nauseum, right? So far, uh, the new rules in spring training. Did you know that there's another one that no one's talked about yet, Bob? They changed balk rules in baseball that pitchers are no longer allowed to toe tap when there are runners on base in their delivery because it's deceiving. It is. And and, and it's a balk now. Yeah. Yeah, guys like Kevin Gosman who used to have who has that toe tap, right? Um, there's a couple other guys that do it. it but they they are now not allowed to do that. However, on the on the flip side of things, there are guys who could still do like all their histrionics that are considered like fun and crazy, like like Johnny Cueto, right? I mean, like all the stuff that he does uh, out on the mound, um, and they don't say anything at all about that. And and so like the question is, why are you why are you now after all this time? saying, oh, well, okay, this funky delivery is not okay. But these other funky deliveries that are just as deceptive are still fine. Like, what, what, why is one worse than the other? And this is what I don't understand, what goes into these conversations with the comp, if there's, a, you know, the competition committee, Major League Baseball, why does it get, why does it get that specific on, and that impacts certain pitchers, but other still do whatever the hell they want, and it's not a problem. Yeah, it's an interesting point. Well, you have uh, who was it? Luis Garcia on the Astros had his rock the baby wind up. Yeah, about all that. Yeah, you know, listen, I, I hear you on this. I just think that baseball is probably looking at it. There's probably been like a list of things over time that they've looked at and they've examined, and it's almost like you know what? In any other year, this would probably get more more ink, more of a talking point. It would probably be more disruptive to the game, more pushback. But it's almost like when you're a politician and you create this big massive bill. And there's just a couple things that you want to stick in the back end of it that like don't really even relate to the the main point. So it's like, you know what? Let's make bigger bases. We're going to eliminate the shift. Uh, we're going to have a pitch clock. And oh, by the way, we're going to tweak a couple things when it comes to balks and windups and deliveries. Uh, it's like a throw in almost. Uh, probably something that they've been looking at from a competitive standpoint for a while now. I, I like, I, I will say from a, a, a bigger picture, I like the, the different windups. I like the different nuances, but I do agree at the heart of it that like, the toe tap, like there are deceptions that pitchers do that are probably that they're blatantly deceptive and they get away with them. And like, I do think like there has to be a push to be a little bit more uniform across the board there. Uh, so like I get it, uh, but you, anytime you kind of like take some of the spice and variation out of, of the game, it, you know, you don't love that. So uh, I, I guess this, le- yeah, the last question on this is, you know, uh, do you think that these things like those toe taps, for example, were something that were put into their delivery intentionally to be deceptive or do you think it was just something that is a rhythm thing that makes them deliver the same the pitch the way they want to pitch it with more regularity and kind of what's what got them to the major league baseball i think that ultimately there's no wasted movements like there's not i I feel like for professional athletes just in general like and i'm sure that there's certain pitchers that would tell you no it, it really is the latter it's it was just, this is how I got here. This is how I found my rhythm. But I think that for a lot of guys, like you refine your technique 
and your mechanics to such a pinpoint level that you you don't do things unless they bring you a competitive advantage. Like, if you can get away with it, if it becomes acceptable. And I think in this case, like for a lot of these guys, that's in fact what it was. Yeah, that's fair. And I think that's, and I think the reason that that's fair is you look at what you know what's been going on with Max Scherzer within the new rules. Like he's really testing right. the pitch clock rules. Like when can he? Del- he's been called for a balk for pitching too early. I've, I've, I've seen, seen like, I've seen people kind of push back against him and say like, "What an asshole!" Like this is this is, here's yeah. a guy that's taking the rule and he's trying to say something about it. He's trying to make a point. And whether or not he is or isn't, I, I, listen, I, I don't know. But I, I think if you're him, like now is the time to find out. Like, well, how can I use this to my advantage? Because when you have such a drastic change to the rules, there's two different ways you can go about this. You can complain about it and say, I don't like this, and then kind of use it as an excuse. Or mentally, even if you don't outwardly use it as an excuse, say like, ah, I don't like it, you know, and just complain about it. Or you can accept that this is the reality of it. And yes, I'm going to adapt, but not only am I going to adapt, but how can I maybe try to manipulate this to my advantage, even though it makes me a little bit uncomfortable. And so I have no problem with Max Scherzer, even if he's doing it for the theater at times, trying to figure out like, how far can I push it? What can I get away with? So that when we get to April or March 31st, I'm ready and I can do it. I agree. I I, I have zero problem with what he's doing. I think that that's right. You got to figure out, I mean, what's going to work best for you? And and how you can how you can still be at your most effective within these new rules. And if it means rushing a pitch at the beginning of that, at, at right at the eight second mark, great. If it means hold standing in one position and not starting your wind up until there is actually one second left, and kind of mixing and matching that within an at bat to get to throw a batter off balance. To me, that's that's at least some cat and mouse that I feel like the pitch clock takes away by rushing the game a little bit. But at the same time, I think that pitchers can find that, and maybe you could kind of create some of that. Uh, back into the game within that 20 second or 10 second period absolutely all right well that will do it for our latest episode of crossed up we will be back on friday anthony will be joining us from a clearwater florida yeah enjoy uh your travels this week and uh we will we will talk again uh be sure to uh, check us out on youtube spotify apple Podcasts, anywhere you get your podcasts thanks for tuning in